0: All right. And so welcome back to another episode of Fresh Out the Cocoon. I'm Joy, your host as always. Uh, And today I have a very special guest um, who's going to be here alongside me. Today we are talking about expanding your vision. And I wanted to have this person on the show to talk about the ways in which she is learning how to expand her vision. And so Without further ado, I want to go ahead and introduce Ms. Aja Stubbs. Miss uh, Joy. Hey, excuse hey, me, Aja. Dr. Joy. <laughs> Ah, that's extra. Yeah. Um, but Miss Aja Stubbs um, has been involved in um, the plus size community for a very long time, roughly over a decade. And now she's doing some pivoting. She's changing some things. And so I would love to hear her perspective on or hear your perspective, should I say, since you're on the show right now, hear your perspective on on how to change your vision, how to expand beyond what you originally may have drawn up for yourself. And so that's what we're going to talk about today. And I'm super excited to have you here and um, I'm very thankful that you decided to be on the show.
1: Well, I'm thankful for you wanting to interview me on the show. You already know that I love it and I'm excited about our our topic today.
0: Yay. Great. All right. And so um, let's just go ahead and jump right into things. A lot of people may not know who you are, um, people that listen to the podcast and then those that do obviously love to hear about you again so why don't you go ahead and tell everybody who you are and what you do
1: okay well um my name as you stated before is um Aja B Stubbs um I go by the the moniker of Ms. Aja B um in high school my a lot of my friends used to call me Aja B and then one of my best guy friends dubbed me Miss Aja B when I was first was getting ready to launch Belle Noir and it so it just kind of stuck um, I am a daughter, I'm a niece, I'm a granddaughter, um, I'm a writer, I'm a publisher, an editor, and now a podcaster, ah, and I'm um, nice. now a <laughs> podcaster, and I always like to throw in I'm a plus size, I'm black, I'm a woman, and I'm human, and not necessarily in that order, so there you go, that's that's Ms. Ajabi in a nutshell. Great, great, great.
0: Like I said, the topic of today's show is framed around the idea of expanding your vision. Um, And so I want to talk a little bit first. um, I want to talk a little bit about your background and talk about how, like, how you became a voice for the community. What kind of fueled your passion in in this area to get involved?
1: Um, It was twofold. Um, I've always been a plus size individual. Um, growing up as the chubby child, to the awkward plus size teenager, to just being the plus size woman that I am today, so um, that part was obvious. Um, obviously, something that was near and dear to my heart. Um, the reason I started Belle Noir Magazine back in two thousand and three was also kind of twofold. Um, I had ha- I had I interviewed with um, Essence Magazine, and I wasn't hired. And I guess I kind of had a chip on my shoulder. Mm. Um, <laughs> I kind of had this like, well, how am I supposed to get to the top of the editorial chain if y'all won't even hire me and let me in the door? Mm-hmm. But then um, I was a part of this Yahoo group um, called Ebony BBWs and Ebony Gentlemen. And a lot of the ladies in the group one day were just kind of Complaining about not seeing ourselves in media, not seeing ourselves in the magazines that were supposed to be catered to to women of color. Because back then in 2003, if you saw a size 14, 16 featured in a fashion layout, it was a big deal back then, mm-hmm. if you saw them at all. And so um, I had graduated a year before with a bachelor's in communications and a minor in graphic design from Marymount Manhattan College in New York City. Okay. And so I kind of said, okay, well, you know, since it's not out here, let's create it. And I took that whole summer of 2003 to kind of get it together and do a little bit of research. And what I found at the time was that when you put um, either plus size black woman or plus or black bbw into a search engine. I was getting all of these like adult entertainment sites, mm-hmm. and while the women were shaped like me, they were doing things that I, that just didn't represent who I was about. It didn't represent the ladies in the Yahoo group that I had um, grown to know, and so I said, "No, we need to be represented. We need to be positively represented." And have a place where we can talk about finding plus-size clothes. Because, you know, back in 2003, even though you say, well, that was only like roughly 15 years ago, the Internet looked a lot different for plus-size women in general, never mind plus-size women of color. We just didn't have a lot of representation back then. Mm -hmm. So with a lot of hard work and a lot of help from some of those individuals in that Yahoo group. Um, Bell Noire was born as an e-zine. Uh, we launched November 3rd, 2003. We were a click-through site. So we had um, a, like a main home page with all the different articles listed. And you had to click and go to each article. And it was very, very internet circa 2003. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and then we did that format for... Um, about three years and then we switched over to a blog format so that way we would be able to kind of publish what I my friend called bakery fresh content and um We had different themes for every day of the week, Monday through Friday. Uh, Mondays was our Beautiful You Monday and Living It Up Tuesdays, which was more about um, lifestyle and things like that. And then we had um, on the scene Wednesdays talking about different events in the plus size community and so forth and so on. And then in 2008, um, 10 years ago now, um, we did our first digital magazine issue yep and the magazine and the blog were active until twenty thirteen pretty much and then, um I just had some life things happening, and I kind of stepped away mm-hmm. and now I'm coming back with the podcast
0: all right, great, so let's just take a step back for a moment, and I want you to kind of talk about what it felt like for you um back in the two thousand and three or the two thousand and eight when these things were happening and you're actually seeing your ideas come, come into fruition. Um, What did it feel like being, you know, an editor, an editor in chief, so to speak of a, of a magazine um, catering to black plus size individuals?
1: Um, Back then I was, you know, I was in my um, mid twenties and I think I had a a fearlessness when I first started Mm -hmm. um, only because Editing was something that was something I'd kind of always done, writing and editing. Um, I had been editor-in-chief of my school newspaper in high school, um, had written for the newspaper in college. And so it was something I was very comfortable with. And I also liked the idea of being able to use some of the graphic design things that I had learned in school to create, you know, this platform. We I wouldn't have called it a platform back then. I would have just called it a website. But it was. It was a platform. For plus size women of color to be able to come to learn about some of the new fashion designers that were coming on the scene. Because back then, when you think about it, you know, designers like Monique C were just coming out. And Mm -hmm. designers like um, Jasmine Elder from Jabri were just coming out. And Lane Bryant was, um, and while Lane Bryant had been around for many decades, they were kind of starting to kind of make their clothing a little less matronly and trying to kind of get a little more on trend back then. Mm -hmm. So um, it was a very interesting time. It was exciting. It was fun. I had great support um, from this group of individuals that were helping me out as far as writing different articles. And I think we all just kind of kind of caught up in, yeah, we're doing this for us and putting it out there. And Um, It led to some really great things that when I started in 2003, just I didn't even think that would happen years later.
0: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Awesome. So I'm kind of thinking about that then because – I'm thinking like a magazine it takes a lot of work to put together magazines and you said that there was a support system so was that something that just kind of happened organically you happen to run into individuals and um and ask them and they said sure we'll write for you or was it something that you know you had to work at to kind of create this network of individuals that were willing to be a part of the community because oftentimes we hear things like you know um this idea of competition or like women are catty they don't work well together and all of these <laughs> different things so how was that mm-hmm. type of situation for you
1: um working within the confines of Belle Noir it worked out very well like I had mentioned we the idea was birthed in this Yahoo group I know millennials listening probably are like what's a Yahoo group because you know <laughs> that
0: but you know back I'm in still, the day I'm still a part of a Yahoo group to this day so
1: there you go yeah and, and that that actual Yahoo group is still up and running and I think the ladies in the group and the men because there were some men that helped us um, along because we had a, a ask the admirer column mm-hmm. back then Um, with two admirers who gave um, two admirers from different generations. One was like in his 20s and one was in his 40s. And so they kind of gave two different perspectives on the same question that was written in. And so in that regard, I think everybody was just so supportive because they knew me they knew my aspirations to be an editor and they just loved I think the fact that this was something that we didn't see you know back in 2003 this was before the curvy fashionista this was before all you know there were all of these plus size bloggers that were that we have now. Um, Mm -hmm. it just wasn't, you know, they didn't exist back then. It was something that was just kind of starting to grow and it was very new as far as from the outside. I developed close con, um, close relationships with a lot of the other young ladies that were working on projects at the time. Mm -hmm. Um, for example, um, Stephanie Penn from, um, back then it was Venus Diva. Now it's known as daily Venus Diva because mm-hmm. um, Venus Diva started out the same way Bel Noir did as a, a website that you, you know, you click through on the articles and then they went to a blog format as well. You know, I know Madeline Jones from Plus Model Magazine very well because Plus Model Magazine was coming up at the same time as Bel Noir. Okay. And I wouldn't say that it was, there was no cattiness from those ladies at all. Mm-hmm. I think we all were just on... We were all in the pioneering phase of this plus size journey. And it was love because we say, well, you know, we're not getting love from society at large. So we we knew that we had to stick together in some ways. There's unfortunately always going to be cattiness. I hate to say it like that. But unfortunately, when you have individuals that aren't comfortable within themselves, mm-hmm. I think that's where cattiness comes from. Um, I think there's a healthy spirit of competition. You always want to be the one to break a story first, but not in any negative way. Not in any like, oh, we got to beat them. But no, like, no, we want to be the first one to kind of chomp at the bit. But what I can appreciate is that if, let's say, Venus Diva picked up on a story first, I was always very careful, like, when I shared the story to give them proper credit and vice versa. Okay. So there was it was a sense of community back then. And I think that there are some individuals that are still trying to build community right now. But the plus size blogging industry, it's a business now so much more than it was back then.
0: Okay, and can you kind of speak to that a little bit because um when you say like the plus size the blogging and you know the blogging industry is a business now, how does that differ from you know or what have you seen that that has changed since that idea of like having that community?
1: One thing I think that changed is that once blogging picked up in popularity and you saw Mainstream brands bringing blogs onto their websites. Mm-hmm. Um, and you see that mainstream brands like Lane Bright and Ashley Stewart and The Avenue and Forever 21 recognize the power in blogging, as opposed to, you know, I think a lot of the bloggers were saying, you know, we want to see the clothing on women that look like us. We want to see um, clothing on women that look like us. And so, as opposed to, hiring models that were larger sizes, they started employing bloggers to wear the clothes. And so it became profitable because then bloggers could now market themselves and say, well, hey, you want me to um, wear your product. Um, You want me to advertise for you, essentially. You want me to promote for you. Let's make a deal. And so, you know, it became more than just getting a few sample clothes in the mail and you just taking pictures of yourself. Um, That's where it probably, you know, started out as to now, you know, you have bloggers that are the stars of major campaigns for brands and they are compensated for it. So that's where that's what I mean by it's so much more of a business now. Back in 2003, I would have never thought that I could, you know, live off of just doing Belle Noir by itself. And now you have bloggers that that's their full-time job is blogging.
0: Right. And so kind of listening to you talk a little bit, it sounds like bloggers, even though, you know, in this format or in the early stages of, of when blogging became popular, you actually have bloggers as your first, your first influencers, really. Um, Yes. Like what Mm -hmm. we see on Instagram now is like a beefed up version of what bloggers kind of used to be. Exactly. Um, And kind of being able to take on this, this thing. And so that is really interesting to me because I've never, I never knew like the historical components of how blogging has grown into like this influencer platform. Um, But again, how you also see these mainstream brands kind of utilizing these tools to sell their products ultimately. And so I kind of want to get your take on, I guess, leading, adding to that, get your take on how do you feel like that impacts the plus size community or this push, right. For, um, for, for fat acceptance.
1: I was, I was speaking about this with someone the other day. I think there's still a, a fight to see larger women in clothing and have our larger sizes, even in stores, you have stores like, you know, old Navy and, um even now or at least down here in Georgia you have some plus size stores that are only carrying like up to a size 24 in the store and we like well okay but I'm a 26 and you used to carry a 26 and like oh well you know you got to go online for that now and I'm like well so there's still some struggle there as far as representing all bodies I think it's important, I think plus-size bloggers are important. I think you're seeing a larger spectrum of bodies in plus-size bloggers now just because they have the clothes to wear cuz a lot of designers are now expanding their lines to feature 26s and 28s and 30s and 32s. And the beautiful thing about the women and some of the men that started all of this is that they were the inspiration now for this new crop of bloggers that are getting out here and they're, you know, kind of being fearless about it. And they're saying, well, hey, you know, I have something to say. And hopefully what I'm doing will encourage someone else to say, hey, you know, get out here and, you know, don't hide under a muumu. you know, find your style, find what works for you and go out there and rock it to the best of your ability. Don't hide. Um so I think that's the important part in the fat acceptance movement of bloggers is that they give a face to a broad spectrum of body sizes and ethnicities. You know, back when I was starting there weren't that many of us blogging. Um and there's always been this I want to call it a separation, but there has been the Movement, the size acceptance movement when it comes to plus size women. And then there's the size acceptance movement when it comes to plus size women of color. And you have some groups that intermingle well and others that still don't see that, you know, yes, we're all plus size, but as a plus size woman of color, I have a different experience walking every day than you do as a woman who is not a woman of color. You understand what I mean? So no, I,
0: I absolutely get that. I mean, that is something <laughs> that I think I recognize even for myself. A lot of people want to bring us all under that umbrella of of fat acceptance or size acceptance. Like, no, like we're all fat. Yay. And it's like, yeah, but there are some struggles that are unique to being to being fat and also being a black person and also being a woman or self-identifying as a woman. These are, you know these are different issues, right? The same way it would be a different issue if you were um, fat and you had a disability. Mm -hmm. Um, And so there tends to be tension in some places because there is a lack of acknowledgement, I guess, if that's what you want to call it, a lack of acknowledgement to where people don't want to look at those other intersections and how they create additional barriers, for individuals, some people just like to say, like, we're all fat, like, love is love, we should all be getting along. We all are in this together, and not understanding that they still have some privileges that are afforded to them, um, that other people who possess other identities do not.
1: Right, exactly. And the difference between now in 2018, and back then in 2003, is that Now you can go on Instagram, you can do a search for plus size women of color or, you know, Latina women of color or, you know, plus size women with disabilities. And you're going to find someone out there that's Mm -hmm. speaking specifically for you. I think that's the beauty of where the plus size community has grown. You're seeing more and more women represented there's a young lady from, um, the Middle East, um, Curves Become Her, and just watching her as a, a Middle Eastern woman, um, and her, um, journey as a plus-size woman, and, um, I always want to pronounce her name wrong. I know her first name is Gael. She's from France, and seeing what her experience has been like as a plus-size woman of color in Europe, um, there are just so many different avenues now that weren't Available back then, and I hope that it continues. You know, I want to see you know um, more plus size Asian bloggers and plus size Native American bloggers. I know they're there; I'm sure they're out there, but I want them to get more exposure. And so that's part of what the the heart of plus size, um, what Bell Noir was about when I first started it. While African American and Black women of color were the strong suit. Um, obviously, because I'm a, a black woman. Um, I also want to shine light on Latina women and Native American women and African and um and Asian women, just to be able to give women of color a place to be able to say, you know, this is where we can come to see ourselves represented.
0: Right, and I think that's so awesome. I mean, I you know some of the things that you said previously was kind of like you know the bloggers and the movers and shakers of 2003 helped pave the way for where people are today. And I think that, you know, it's awesome to be able to pay pay homage to um, the individuals that have come before you, even if you haven't been aware of that, right? It's like there were people um, working behind the scenes to kind of carve out this place of liberation for what we see in front of our faces today. So kind of like you were saying, like the bloggers, like the influencers of today, the bloggers of yesteryear kind of made a path for that, right? And people kind of speaking up and like your um, your magazine, just being able to have that, that space that was carved out for individuals so that, you know, someone may have read it, it may have changed, you know, someone made a uh, someone read an article that changed their perspective about their body and about who they were as an individual and now we see those things coming into play here 10 15 years later and so i definitely think that that's an awesome you know an awesome tribute or a uh, hats off to the people who who have really come and and done work when you know work wasn't wasn't happening in the same way that it's happening now you know it's like it's different when you have to build the build a building with your own shovel and you have to create your own bricks versus bricks being, you know, produced, mass produced now. And you have big buildings or big, um, you know, machines that help you kind of build it. Um, There is a special appreciation for individuals who didn't have any of that and still managed to build something.
1: Exactly. It's so true. You know, I'm, it's, um and you're a sports fan like I am. And mm-hmm. one thing that you hear a lot of the older athletes, let's talk, even talk about in basketball, a lot mm-hmm. of the older basketball players will tell the the new crop of players coming in, you know, know your history. Know who paved the way for you. Um, know the ones that went through the struggle so that way you can now Get those big multi million dollar sneaker deals and um, get the advertising deals and know who paved that way for you. And I would encourage some of the the bloggers of today. You know, do your research. You know, know the women and the men because there were some men out there too that really laid this foundation for you. You know, there. I remember Marie Denis the Curvy Fashionista was one of the mm-hmm. first bloggers I remember getting a sponsorship from a major car dealer. And when she got that, I think it was Chevrolet. I don't want to, you know, lie, but I think it was Chevrolet. And she got to drive around in one of their new um cars that they were putting out for like a whole summer. And she did little videos about it and blogged about it. And I said, you know what? She's made it. She's she just broke a barrier for us. Because now if she's getting that opportunity, there's going to be so many other women who are going to get opportunities like that, you know, so know that I remember back in the day, I don't know how much people watch MTV now but I remember when Gabby Fresh was um, trying to be their first official social media VJ and she won why? Because we all we called in you know every blogger that I knew back then was saying you know you gotta support Gabby Fresh as this plus size woman who's trying to be um, you know this VJ for MTV and and Mm -hmm. she won you know and now you know Gabby Fresh is putting out her own swimsuit line and new fresh design every season. And so, you know, know the women who paved the way for you guys to be able to have these opportunities that you're having now.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. I a hundred percent agree. And so kind of moving on then kind of progressing, because I know things have changed um, and you kind of mentioned having a podcast. So I'm wondering why a podcast? Like, why not relaunch the magazine into doing something? Why did you think a podcast would be better suited for you during this time?
1: Well, for time purposes, um, as you mentioned, doing magazines and blogging is a lot of of time consuming work. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've I've ever since I stopped officially blogging, um, people have said, "Well, are you going to bring belle Noir back? Are you going to bring belle Noir back?" and what I didn't want to do was bring the magazine back and use the old ideas for it. I wanted it to be fresh. I wanted it to be new, um, but I still wanted it to be what people recognized as Belle Noir. And so I decided on a podcast um, because I said, okay, this is the perfect opportunity to still Utilize the interview format that Bel Noir had. Um, but now you're going to get an even more personal approach to it because now you're going to be able to hear the person. You're going to be able to relate to the person even more. And also, I mean, there while there are more podcasts of color um, that are cropping up now, there are only a few, yours being one, that specifically focused on plus size women of color and um the concept actually for of podcasting for bell noir is not new back in the early 2000s um 2000 i would say probably 2004 through like 2006 we actually did bell noir radio on blog talk radio Mm -hmm. so you know this is just a a newer concept of that um Bel Noir radio back then was actually live we did it live like every other sunday for a couple of years yeah <laughs> <laughs> and so at least with the the podcast it gives me the opportunity to kind of plan it out more um edit it a little more most shows are going to have two segments to them a, a little entertainment section um that'll either deal with um upcoming event or something especially since we're launching this summer something related to um being plus size and traveling or plus size in the summertime Mm -hmm. and then a main feature interview. So I guess it's gonna be a little more um talk showy. But yeah, I just I said podcasting is um something that's not necessarily new but I thought would be a different spin on the Bel Noir communications landscape, so I said, and I've I've always kind of had the the attitude like, hey, why not? Let's try it until I'm fully fully ready to jump into my editor editor in chief um role again. Mm-hmm. Um, the podcast is going to be where it's at.
0: All right. And I was going to ask you, like, what are going to be some of the things But you kind of already beat me to it and explained. And so it definitely sounds like it's going to be a podcast that is like full of fun, um, just fun tidbits and also a lot of substance to give listeners. And so I look forward to listening to it whenever it comes out. I think it's going to be a great project. But mm-hmm. I think that you said something that was um, really interesting. And you're in the process of kind of explaining this um, that I kind of want to touch on just briefly, Mm -hmm. um, if you'd be so kind. You said um, until you're ready to go back into that place of the editor in chief, that the podcast is kind of where you want to be at. And I'm just wondering if you could speak a little bit to the growing pains, so to speak, or how the transition was from you know, having this full-functioning magazine, and like you said, doing live radios and uh, the live radio shows and different things like that. Can you talk a little bit about your process of changing things and working around different situations to get you to this point?
1: Um, sure. I would say, um, <clears throat> the main growing pain that I had was my own. Oftentimes a lot of my own lack of self-confidence in what I was doing. Mm-hmm. Um, the one critical thing I could say about my whole time doing Belle Noir, unfortunately was that um, sometimes we had some inconsistent phases where we would you know, kind of put out a few, like we would have a great six month run and then life would happen and then we would fall off for a few months and then we would come back. And the inconsistency was part trying to keep things fresh, trying to make sure that we were kind of keeping up with the Joneses, which I learned very early on is the wrong thing to do. Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) So those were some of the growing pains that I went through. And then I just kind of found that I had gotten to a point where, you know, you're trying to empower people, you're trying to educate and entertain and empower. But I myself wasn't feeling very empowered just because I had some other things going on in my personal life that just made me kind of feel like, well, how am I preaching all of this empowerment to you know the women who are reading the blog and listening to um, Bell Noir Radio? And I'm myself just not feeling my 100% and I'm not feeling my own sense of empowerment. So mm-hmm. I think those were some of the growing pains that I went through back then. I think coming into doing the podcast now and preparing for some of the other things that I'm I'm hoping to launch is a, as of 2019. I'm older, I'm wiser, and I just have an an attitude now of you know if not now when you're you know I just turned 41 on Monday, um, so. Yay!
0: Yes. yes and black don't crack right
1: yes <laughs> huh. and so you know I just the the fears and the the self-doubt that I had when I was in my early 20s and early 30s I just don't have anymore now I'm like you know it's now or never mm-hmm. and it was I said well I'm either gonna you know do the podcast and all these other things that I had envisioned for Belle Noir I'm either going to do it and do it with my whole heart and and give it my all or you're just going to shut down everything you're going to let go of all of the domains that you have and you're just going to go on and live your life and I I couldn't do it I just it's it was this one piece of me that I said I had not given my all to I said you've given your all for your schooling, you've given your all to employers and helping them get to where they want their businesses to be. It's time for you to give your all to something that you are absolutely passionate about.
0: And I think that is so awesome and so inspirational. I mean, I think, you know, oftentimes when we think about expansion and we think about things getting larger, that's what everybody focuses on, right? It's like the addition, the Mm -hmm. things that, you know, Oh everybody can kind of see like even if you think about expanding your family, right? Everybody's excited about like the new baby that's coming or if you have a significant other, right? Instead of there being one of you, there's two of you. But a lot of people don't look at the work that it takes to make two or to make an additional um like to have the actual baby, right? So there's the growing pains, there's the you know, there's the self-realization that you do within yourself, how you check yourself. Like you said, some of the things you were talking about, like if you didn't feel empowered, how could you empower other people? It's kind of like digging deep and kind of making room for the expansion before the expansion actually happens. Um, mm-hmm. and one of the things like coming to grips with yourself and saying, you know, I'm not done yet. I still have so much more life in me. I have so much more vision. Um that I see, right. I have such a, such a long race to kind of run still a journey that's being set before me. And, you know, just the tenacity to want to see that through. I think that that's awesome. Um, and it's an awesome part of your story, like something that I think more people need to hear. If you are an entrepreneur, if you're someone who has a dream, who has a vision, someone that, you know, you may not see, exactly what you want to see right now happening in your landscape. But part of making room to do bigger things is doing this, this hard work, so to speak, like doing the scraping and the pulling and the cleaning and the shifting and the moving. Um, Mm -hmm. And so I think that's definitely awesome that you can kind of speak to that now. And the fact that you are older and you're wiser and like that fear that was there, you know, 20 years ago, just isn't there now
1: it you know it's true and you you as you get older you realize that um there's so many different aspects to it too you realize that you have to protect your energy for lack of of using a different phrase but you have to guard yourself and make sure that you surround yourself with not necessarily yes people but the people who are going to say, OK, you want to do this? OK, I got you. But they'll also be the ones to say, oh, now wait, hold on, girl. Mm-hmm. Um, let's let's reevaluate this step that you want to take. Are you sure you want to do this? Let's let's weigh out pros and cons. The people that are truly for you, you know, you have to. And it's hard. Sometimes you have to be willing to create boundaries with people. Um, sometimes you have to cut certain cords for some people. That's something that I had to learn. As much as you might want someone to be a part of what you're doing, if that person is not going to be a positive influence in your life, if that person is always the, the one person that you have, that's like, oh, are you sure you want to do that? I don't know. I mean, wouldn't it just be easier if you just did so-and-so? that's not the type of people that you need around you Mm -hmm. and it's hard sometimes to cut those cords or to put those boundaries up but it's an analogy that my friend gabby um had introduced to a group of us a long time ago she said if you notice in horse races they put blinders these little blinders on the horses by their eyes so that way the horses can't look to see who's to the side of them the Mm -hmm. force the horse is forced to look straight ahead and focus on their race right and so I you know I encourage everyone put your blinders on and focus on your race because those who are truly for you are going to be cheering you on from Mm -hmm. the stands Mm-hmm. And that's the only way for you to really get to what your number one goal is, whatever that goal is, whether it's going back to school, whether it's starting a blog, whether it's writing a movie script, whether it's just being a a better mom, a better wife, whatever your goal is, you know, put your blinders on and go for it.
0: Yes, Miss Aja B. I love it. I love it. Um. Because I think, you know, that is definitely important, especially in the times that we live in today, especially with everything that's happening on social media. And it's so easy and accessible to us to be able to open up an app or hit a website and see what everybody else is doing and talk about what everybody else is doing and ultimately compare ourselves to what Everybody else is doing. Um, but you had mentioned something earlier during the interview, and you said that you found out quickly that keeping up with the Joneses was not the right thing to do. And I think that, you know, th- this kind of speaks to this idea that you talk about like putting on blinders and running your own race, staying in your own lane, doing the things that you need to do to achieve your goals. I think that those things are extremely important and extremely helpful, um, especially for this generation. I was going to ask you to leave us with some words, you know, for people who are who, who may find themselves in, in a similar position right now. People who want to start their own thing or they want to, you know, they need that extra push. Um, but I think you did it. <laughs> Girl, you beat me to the You beat me to the question. You didn't, I, I had an interview question set up. I was going to ask the question, but you you jump right in and you. And you fill that space, and so I'm extremely—I mean, I'm thankful for that. We was going there anyway. Um, <laughs> talk about—I'm sorry, connection. I didn't no, mention. No, jump no, ahead, no. Uh-uh, you didn't jump ahead. See, um, it's that—it's that podcaster connection that you have. Yeah, when you, yeah you know, when you have it. yeah, you start to move and shake just. Everything just fall in line. It just kind of
1: comes out, you know. Right. And and it's true. I believe it. And like I like I said, I I learned the hard way that trying to keep up with the Joneses was just the wrong thing to do because that for me meant running someone else's race. Okay. Um. You know. Um. Just as an example, everybody was saying, "Oh, you have to focus more on plus size fashion because that's what people want." I am no one's fashionista. Mm-hmm. I wear what's comfortable for me. I wear what, you know, looks good on my body size, but I'm not someone that keeps up with trends and this and that. If there's a trend that happens to be something that I like, I'll I'll wear it, but I'm I'm definitely miss plain Jane when it comes to things. And so, when I was trying to have things more fashion focused, it flopped. Why? Because my heart wasn't in that. Um, When I focused more not on the clothes, but on the women behind the clothes and getting to know them, that's when it flourished because it wasn't, you know, for me putting an article out about, oh, this skirt and that wasn't it, but putting an article out about why this person decided to become a fashion designer And finding out that, oh, they decided to become a fashion designer because their grandmother was a seamstress growing up. That was where I knew my sweet spot was. Right, right. So, you know, you have to own your uniqueness. You know, we all have a a unique approach to this world. Um, And so I would say for anyone that's thinking about getting into blogging or any area where you say oh but there's so many people that are doing this right now there might be a lot of people doing it but there's only one you and there's only one you who can bring your unique perspective to it yes so don't be intimidated by the fact that oh you know you go on instagram and you see all these other women that are you know doing this find what's unique to you you know, and, and, and run with it and own it. And if it's your passion, you'll succeed.
0: You better say that Miss Audra B. Okay. Like say it because it's true. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm serious. I, I believe that, you know, with all my heart, I think being somebody who is not as social media savvy interested in being on social media all the time. Like I'm not that person. And Mm -hmm. I think when I first started the podcast, I struggled with trying to be that person. I was like, I'm not going to update all these pages. Like I'm not (laughs) going to I'm not going to do it. Like I just didn't have it in me to, you know, do it. And like you go to some people's Instagram, like you look at the squares of the pictures and they like make nice patterns all the like I I know. Just no, i just i didn't have it in me and i felt myself being extremely frustrated mm-hmm. and kind of stuck in a lot of ways and i had to have a heart-to-heart with myself going into the new year and i said listen joy we just gonna do what we know how to do until we can do something else mm-hmm. um and then you know if you want to expand and grow and do all of this other stuff later you can but right now this ain't us Like, this is not our capacity. This is not, you know, I get what everybody else is sharing and doing, but that's not me. And so I had to kind of tap into my own authenticity. I had to, like, you know, I had to be able to say, okay, this is me. This is realness. This is where my heart is. This is who I am. This is how I connect to people. And when I started to do that, I started to see little glistenings of light shine. I felt more myself. So then I mm-hmm. felt more comfortable to do the things that I was passionate about and kind of add to that. And like, since then, there have been a lot of doors that have been opened by way of just my Instagram page and being able to be connected with people and do the podcast and, and, and connect with lovely people like you. Yes, and so, ma'am. you know, there is so much, I mean, there's so much in what you said. There's so much wisdom. And what you said, and I thank you for those tidbits, because I think that, you know, all too often it's easy to to try to push out this idea of what it means to be successful, like this cookie cutter version of what success looks like. But there's success in being unique. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there's because sure. when you
1: think about it, there's no one way to be successful. Right. You know, and right. Why? Why be
0: Why be someone else when you were born to be you? I know that's right. Why? It's too much work. You already have something. Right. Mm -hmm. You should use it. Okay, Ms. Anja, I feel myself because I'm starting to run. I'm going to run on a tangent. I'm going (laughs) to run on a tangent, so... I don't want to do that. I don't want to do that. I've been trying to work on being better about those things. So, um, I want you to kind of tell us where we can find you. What are some upcoming events that you have going on?
1: Well, um, the big, beautiful you podcast will officially launch launch on Monday, July 2nd. Okay. Um, that's when our first season will launch. Um, I'm very excited about that. Um, You can go, um, your listeners can go to bigbeautifulyou.com and sign up for the email alerts um, about the official launch of our first season and where they'll be able to find us. Um, I know we'll be on SoundCloud and iTunes, and we're still working on some other platforms that the podcast will be on. OK, um, <clears throat> uh, they also can go right now to com, and if they want to go to um, or look through our Bell Noir magazine archives, um, there's a link at the top. This is Bell Noir magazine and they can go there and see some of the things that we have been about previously so they can get an idea of what is um, coming in the future. Um, and then as far as finding us on social media. We're at um, Big Beautiful You Podcast on Instagram. My personal Instagram is Ms. Aja B, which is Ms. A-J-A-B. And hopefully by this fall, I'll have my personal website back up again, which is Ms. Aja B.com
0: all right okay and so for people who are listening um who may be listening to this after july the second know that if you are listening to this after july 2nd the podcast has already been launched and so yes, there should be an and... episode available for you to hear to listen mm-hmm. to absolutely
1: and um i'm looking forward to the launch because um i do have an episode coming up with the lovely dr joy uh fresh yeah. out the cocoon and um, we did our interview uh, a few weeks ago and it was great. And I can't wait to um, debut that for all of both of our listeners, actually. Yes. Yes.
0: So it's always awesome to be able to collaborate with people. Um, and so I'm looking forward to listening, not necessarily to myself, but listening to the podcast whenever it drops. And I hope that your listeners um, can resonate with some of the things that I said. I know my listeners are going to resonate with the things that you said today, because how can you not? And so I am just super excited. I'm happy for you. I'm glad to see that you are still moving, shaking and pushing forward. I think that it is also, I mean, it's always awesome to see people out here reaching the goals that they want to set. Like, I love seeing people win. And so it has been an honor and a pleasure to have you on the show today to discuss your journey.
1: Well, I thank you so much for having me. This was so much fun and Um, I'm, I'm looking forward to, I think I, for some reason, I feel it in my spirit that we're going to be able to collaborate again really soon.
0: Yes. Yes. Listen, I believe it. I'm always here, always open for things. So, uh, I look forward to that opportunity as well. Um, And so to everyone who is listening, um, as always, you can find the podcast um, on SoundCloud, Apple, iTunes, or well, Apple is iTunes, wait a minute, Apple podcast. I'm also on TuneIn Radio, Spreaker Radio, uh, Google Play Music. Um, and then there's the the actual website that has the blogs links to the podcast episodes and merch if you would like to purchase something that's fresh we're on facebook as fresh out the cocoon on twitter as fotc underscore podcast and y'all it's july we are more than halfway through the year and so That is something. That is something. Time goes fast. But you can always go back and listen to other episodes. And I look forward to having your feedback on this one. And as always, be you and stay fresh.